if those employers can see the value in investing in these these young you know this young workforce um, once again creating habits in the workforce that they they want uh, versus breaking those habits that that breeds its success right there Welcome to the Construction Disruption Podcast, where we uncover the future of building and remodeling. I'm Seth Heckeman, and this is my co-host, Todd Miller. Today's guest is Tony Trapp from right here in Pickle, Ohio, uh, where we at Isaiah Industries are also located. Uh, Tony is a 25-year veteran of career and technical education. He has spent his career investing in the students of Upper Valley Career Center and for the last 10 years has led its work-based learning and apprenticeship program, uh, which has grown to serve uh, over 200 students a year, allowing them to spend their senior year earning money and learning a craft that will serve them uh, their entire life. The skilled labor shortage is frequently mentioned on the Construction Disruption Podcast as a huge challenge facing our industry and really all industries. Um, in the economy at this point. So I'm very excited uh, to have Tony on today uh, to hear his insights and forecasts on what this uh, shortage looks like moving forward and what he is doing and other career and technical education centers are doing uh, to address that challenge. So thank you, Tony, uh, so much for joining us this morning. Looking forward to the conversation. Well, thank you, Seth and Todd, for that uh, generous introduction. Uh, not sure that person on paper is the same guy you're getting ready to talk to right now, but uh uh, he kind of sounds pretty cool, so we'll see if he can pull it off. Um, hey, before we get uh, too deep in the conversation, uh, I have something to ask you to. Okay. Um, I've heard uh, I've heard in some past episodes the sharing of dad jokes. So, uh, <laughs> are you up to uh, for a couple of mine? Absolutely, would love to hear them. All right. Uh, well, I have one, <clears throat> maybe two. You know, we'll see. Um, so, there's a well-dressed man riding a bicycle and a not-so-well-dressed man riding a tricycle. What's the difference between the two? A wheel? An extra wheel. I don't know. A tire. A, a tire. tire. There you go. A tire. <laughs> <Yeah>. A tire. <laughs> this one's always my go-to, especially this uh, time of season um, in Ohio, the cold and flu season. But uh, what did one casket say to the other casket? I don't know. Is that you, Coffin? <laughs> there we go. Those are both. You were so close on the tire. Yeah. Wheel, yeah. That's, that's usually the answer. <laughs> that was my answer when I was approached. I, you know, I didn't invent that one. <laughs> They're both good. I'm going to have them holstered from now on. So thank you for All sharing. Right. Fun way to kick off. So uh, to begin, and before we dive into the uh, kind of the details of what you do day to day at uh, Upper Valley, um, listeners, you'll hear us refer to it as UVCC probably Upper Valley Career Center, UVCC for, uh, for short. But uh, before we dive into that, tell us a little bit about uh, you and your career up to this point and how'd you ended up uh, where you are today? Well, um, actually, I started career technical education my sophomore year of high school um, as I toured our local career center. Um, and um, you'll hear me referring to uh, career tech or vocational, uh, just probably depends on the era that you have grown up in. Um, but they're both the same. But I toured our local career center here in Pickwell and decided to uh, enroll in our industrial electronics program. Um, I'm a product of, of vocational career technical education and very proud of it. Um, I'm a father of a, a product of that as well. My son attended uh, our career tech uh, school. 
So, um, as you know, at this time, vocational education, or at that time, educa- vocational education had a stigma about itself. Um, if you attended a local vocational career technical school, you were a troublemaker at your high school. You know, that's one of them. They wanted you to get out of the building, maybe become somebody else's problem. Uh, I'm here to tell you uh, on this national podcast, I was not that student. <laughs> um, although I was a little honorary and still am. I'm just an adult version of, of myself. I can well um, imagine that, Tony. <laughs> Uh, actually, I just I liked working with my hands and, and you know, and, and building things uh, in our high school shop class, you know, my freshman and sophomore year, which I feel that kind of led me into that. Um, and I looked forward to and, and loved uh, looking forward to, to attending those classes. You know, I can still remember in Woodshop. I, I didn't grow up with that. Uh, my, my dad wasn't into those kind of things, um, but I, I I found an interest, had a great teacher that kind of shared that. And I can remember still building my uh the wooden Bible stand for my mom for our family Bible that had been in the family for generations and still have it to this day. Um, a few times I thought I was going to turn it into firewood because it doesn't quite stand up the way it should have uh, back then. And I've, I've fixed it since I've gotten older, but, um, but you know, I just look forward to those classes. So um, I also knew that I didn't like sitting at a desk and doing work from a book. Uh, my high school guidance counselor and I sat down and looked at a few options that uh, our local vocational career technical center offered and, I also knew at that moment, um, you know, kind of the stigma too. If, if you were going to go to vocational education, um, you were going to go because you weren't going to, you know, if you graduated high school, you weren't going to go to college. Um, and I didn't plan on going to college at that point. <clears throat> Notice I said at that point, uh, in my life. Um, and most of it was for financial reasons for my family. Um, but I wanted to learn a skill and start making money and, and not have debt, you know, um, I enrolled it in my junior and senior year at, at our local career center. That's what we do. We have students as juniors and seniors. Um, and I owe, you know, my career to those two years. I really do. The people that took the time to invest in my life. Um, my instructor and I, uh, to this day are close friends, very close friends. And, um, it's kind of cool. Now I get to bring him back into school and kind of show him off. He's, he's kind of like my trophy, you know. Uh, but he invested in me and, and, and it, uh, it, you know, it matters. And I, I try to do that with my students as well. Um, so I worked in the trade for about 15 years in electronic repair and customer service, um, you know, basically setting the stage. It's, it's just remarkable. You know, sometimes when you do get those, those free moments in your life and you kind of reflect and, and I was like, wow, these, all these things were put in place for kind of feels like this moment, you know, that I've, I've been in this, this career. Um, so uh, in 1998, I took an, uh, an assistant instructor position in uh, our local HVAC program at, at our tech school. Uh, didn't have a lot of experience in the HVAC world, but I had those electronic skills that at that time, um, most of those people, uh, most of the people that were working in HVAC were somewhat scared of those electronics, you know. So, um, I mean, I jokingly call him butt crack Bob, you know, because that was the plumber that was putting HVAC in. Uh, so when you start introducing the electronics, I'm like, holy cow, all of a sudden you're kind of like king of the hill. He's like, I got this. And so I had to go, as I stated, didn't think I was going to go to college, but guess what I had to start doing? I had to go back to college and start learning the HVAC side. So had a good mentor in that role as well. Um, and then accepted my current role as apprenticeship coordinator um, school year about 2012. Um, as we all know, like I said, we age and then college all of a sudden shows up uh, on our doorstep. And, and in my case, I matured more um, and had the money to be able to spend and pay for the college instead of being in debt for it. Um, as I took you know, classes at our local community college for business management uh, later on in life. So absolutely love my career. Um, 
I don't call it a job, just like I tell my students, it's not a job, it's a career, but I absolutely do love it. My wife laughs at me when I wake up every day, ready to go in uh, to school or go out on the job site and check on the students. Um, and, you know, and getting students um, ready for adulting is very fun, uh, very taxing at times, uh, but also very rewarding and fun. Um, you know, and also the stigma that you aren't going to go to college has also changed uh, at the Career Center. Um you know, vocational education. Actually, last year on our report card, 37% of our students out of 23 career tech programs went on to advance to college because in some of our career fields, obviously that's needed, you know, in our medical careers and things like that. Wow, that that number surprises me, 37%. But, you know, that you've prepared them for that also, no matter what it is they're going on to next. That's great. Yep. College and career readiness, either one. Yep. Yeah, and addressing, we haven't touched on uh, this crisis on the podcast before, but the, the student debt crisis, you're addressing that form and equipping them to where they're not going to get lapped uh, multiple times before they even get out of the gates from that college education. So that's fantastic. Well, you know, what helps a lot is that articulation credit that we have with a lot of our, our community colleges and things. So those students will get credit. There's no sense in relearning those same things that they were just taught for two years at the Career Center. So local community colleges that we have, uh, Edison Community College right here in Piqua, as well as Sinclair, just a little about 25 miles south of us, have articulation credits because so those students get college credit and, hey, that saves, you know, three, six, nine, twelve thousand dollars $12,000, you know, hey, that's a lot of money. Significant. Uh, real quick, you mentioned uh, just t- multiple times in your in your bio there, uh, quick bio, that the value of mentors in your life and relationship. And before we actually started recording, you were uh, telling us quickly that you took a call uh, 10 to 11 last night as uh, you and your wife were getting ready for uh, for bed from one of your students having a question. Um yeah, I first just want to commend you for putting yourself in that position to to mentor those those students and what the value you're bringing to their life. But um, real quick, what what are the keys uh, that you found to a, a valuable mentor mentee relationship? And um, you know how how would you coach someone uh, who finds themselves in that sort of mentor position for someone else? Well, I think that answer is is in what you just stated. I I, I, I preach this to my students. It's communication. It really is. Um, just keep me in the loop. So in my case, because um, um, I have so many students that are out working, I have a school phone. So my students don't have Mr. Trapp's personal cell phone. Uh, they have a school phone um, and have a number that they can call. So it's just mentoring them and just getting them um, life guidance, you know. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, um, my phone probably only has about five to six hours of the day. It's not ringing. Um, I get employer phone calls at five o'clock in the morning, you know, it's like, hey, uh, can you get a hold of so-and-so? We don't have their number. Um, we're changing job sites and they need to report to, you know, uh, 30 minutes further down the road than what they thought. So it's just, and that all comes down to, you know, communication. Um, and I, I think that helps so much. Uh, and just, you know, being that person that's willing to listen, um, I'm not trying to be their dad. They have dad most likely, or, or, but I, I try to be that, um, that person to, to kind of help. So, uh, I'm a faith believer. Um, and I do my best not to, to bring that too much into it, but I also know, or I feel that this is somewhat, uh, a ministry to me. It's, you know, it's a career, but, I try to help with uh, with those things if they're needed, uh, if students need those guidance, you know. I mean, there's uh, – I have a memorial, uh, so to speak, um, uh, items on my wall that uh, just in the last less than 10 years doing this, I've lost a few students. Uh, unfortunately, it's uh, because of their choice. 
Um, but I, I have a memorial on that wall so that every day I look at those students and, and remember that, um, you know, uh, everybody gets a chance. Um, and, you know, hopefully you can help somebody through their day to day problems as well. That's beautiful. Wow. I didn't mean to go off on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Beautiful. Thank you, Tony. So tell us a little bit more about UVCC. Uh, you know, it's, we're those of us that know in the community are, are proud of it and, and know that it is recognized statewide in Ohio, but also nationally as a, as a leader in uh, career and technical education. So tell us a little bit more about it, what uh, the school as overall looks like. And then, you know, that'll lead right into in what you, you do there with the apprentice program. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've, we've been very fortunate. Uh, we are recognized uh, under the Ohio state um um, Department of Education as what they refer to as a state model program. Um, and uh, I've had the honor of sharing our apprenticeship program for uh, to other career tech schools uh, in our region, you know, in our state, even nationally at conferences and several in D.C., uh, Baltimore, Las Vegas, Colorado, Arizona. Had a had a chance to actually a school flew me out to Arizona a few years ago and actually helped them start their program up. Uh, and our school was very uh, open to that. Spent a week out there actually 10, 10 years or nine years ago to this week. So if you're not in Ohio, it's very cold here right now, 10 degrees. And in Arizona, uh, it was very nice. It was about 72 degrees. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, what a great time to go out there. Um, but the state part, like I said, the State Department of Education has used us as kind of their roadshow uh, for the past six years, kind of sharing best practices. Um, it's not perfect, but we, we do some pretty cool things that we want to be able to share. And that's the thing about career tech education. You don't really uh, – uh, steal from anybody. You just kind of, they share it from you. <laughs> but, um, you know, student recognition is obviously a big deal at, at Upper Valley Career Center. Typically, uh, once the students have committed to a particular employer, uh, we have a signing day for skilled trades, um, just like high school athletes um, and, you know, academics do for going off to college. Um, I want to celebrate these students. It's very important to celebrate them, uh, their student achievements, and, you know, and it solidifies that business partnership that we have as well. Um, never fails all of a sudden, you know, like it's so hard as the program continues to grow to try to get everybody, uh, to do that activity. And, and, um, some are lower key and now nah, we don't really need to do that. But man, as soon as I miss somebody, I'm getting a phone call or a text or emails like, Hey, uh, saw on your social media that so-and-so did a signing day. When, when are we going to do that? It's like, holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. We received uh, recognition, uh, from the Lieutenant governor of Ohio last year and we invited him to our signing day. Um, it was, uh, actually in demand jobs weeks, uh, which is in, in demand job week, which is the first week in May. Um, and, uh, we were showing off our students, flexing our muscles, you know, showing, showing what we have and our business industry partnerships. We had our business partners there, for, uh, not all the programs, but majority of our construction trades and our manufacturing. And it's so funny as, as the summer went on, you know, that happened in May and, and, uh, I know one of the staff members and for a few months later, Apparently, as Lieutenant Governor Houston was was going around doing his his road shows on workforce and things like that, um, he would share some of our success stories, you know, some of our data. So, yeah, it made you pretty proud. Um, you know, um, it's, it's, it's pretty cool when it, when they, he takes something from that and then goes around and talks to other schools about, hey, this is happening over in, in Pequa. Do you guys know these guys? So pretty neat. And then, of course, that usually gets the phone ringing. Hey, how do you guys do that? So we do a lot of that uh, sharing best practices. But um, in 2013 and again in 2018, uh, we received um, 
at the Ohio uh, ACTE conference, which is the Association of Career Technical Education. They have a national one and then a, a, an Ohio one as well. But we received the Pace Setter Award for our program uh, at the State Career Technical Educators Conference. So kind of a big deal. It's nice to be in front of your peers, you know, statewide, um, showing off, um, you know, like I said, not showing off yourself. You're showing off what the accomplishments of our students and our business partners have done. Um, and then, you know, there's a neat one, uh, even locally here, our, our students are nominated and selected, um, from a local economic and workforce group in Dark County. Um, they, they have a 20 under 20 award. Um, that they, and it's, it's just so cool. It's just a night, you know, they, they I send a nomination for a student that lives in that county or works in that, that county. And if they receive that, um, it's a night of celebration of their accomplishments, um, you know, in that county. And there's, those students are selected from other different schools, you know, about 30 different traditional high school students as well that might be working, um, you know, uh, on some sort of work-based learning. Um, but our students, staff, administration, and business partners um, in our area, they're the ones that make the program special. You know, that's that's the key. That's the part. That's awesome. And, I, you know, student recognition and encouragement and uh, lauding their accomplishments has to do so much to just continue to break those stigmas like you talked about that existed 30 years ago. And st- still exists some to uh, to this day. Do you feel like those stigmas are getting better and kind of weeding themselves out uh, when it comes to career tech education? I do. I do. Um, and I think the success stories breeds itself, you know. Um, and I'll be honest, we live in a, I'm spoiled sometimes. We Here in Miami County and, and Shelby County area, uh, connecting counties, uh, we just have a great uh, business partnership and they, they want to, to be able to, to get those students. So, Man, anytime, I mean, I say the, I, I often say, and I was talking to a new business partner just a little bit ago, uh, we're in the manufacturing business all the way across the board at school. We're manufacturing employees. We're manufacturing a workforce. And if we don't put out a good product, then the word's going to get out. But if we put out a good product, the word's going to get out. That story is being told for sure. And I lived it myself going to high school in the, in, in the region and junior year, a couple of kids, you didn't see them quite as frequently other than sports games or whatever. And senior year, they come back and eventually tell you that, yeah, well, I'm going to graduate with you. And, but I have a job set up to make 50 grand next year. Excuse me. So it, uh, you know, they're, they were excited and it, uh, it just starts permeating and, and weeds out those stigmas, like you said. So, uh, so a lot of those kids that I was talking to were, were working in your apprenticeship program and, and were set up for success that way. So tell us what that looks like and uh, how that relationship between school, student, and, and local trade partner, uh, how that works. Okay, so now this is my passion. So uh, I get pretty excited, get goosebumps literally about this kind of stuff. So it'll probably be my longest answer. So let me, let me basically explain uh, high school career tech ed uh, in Ohio regionally in case um, – other people that maybe uh, wherever they're listening uh, to this podcast may not have, but um, I feel it's important to kind of explain a career technical education before I discuss the nuts and bolts of our, our high school apprenticeship program. So, so students, uh, while they're sophomores at their local school, um, they sign up for a program to visit our school and enroll in one of our 23 uh, CTE or career technical education uh, programs. That's one of the things when I got into education, man, the acronyms are whew. They write a book on those things. Um, so uh, we have a recruitment coordinator um, that visits our associate schools and takes one of the students from each one of those programs with them uh, on a roadshow, you know, to recruit 
Uh, it's kind of like a job fair. They'll we'll take that whole group of students. Um, I've been very fortunate to be added to his team the last couple of years because we've noticed that our, our apprenticeship program has become a recruitment slash retention tool for for students that are sophomores. And once again, the success of those students that are, you know, that's juniors or seniors, like you said, they're they're going back sporting events and their buddies are hearing the success they're doing. Wow, that breeds itself as well. So but once they sign up and enroll, they start in a program during their junior year. Uh, they start qualifying for the apprenticeship program day one. I tell them, hey, don't care what happened back at your home school, whether it was good or bad. Um, you're going to start a, a brand new clean slate here. Um, and that'll take place, um, you know, once they qualify and, and meet the, the apprenticeship program. And we'll talk a little more about it. But it actually starts at the very end of their junior year. Uh, beginning of their senior year. So, so the cool thing is career tech is finally cool. You know, the college for all mentality isn't for everyone. Uh, why not let the ones that don't want to go to college have that opportunity uh, to be successful through maybe a different part uh, pathway or something. So um, we also find the importance of helping students explore careers uh, during uh, their K through uh, 10 or K through 12 education uh, cannot be emphasized enough. You know, we have to get in there and, and share these successes with even the younger ones. Um, so children begin thinking about, you know, possibilities. We can remember back, you know, you hear the stories, you know, you're three and four years old. What do you want to be? I want to be a fireman. You know, everybody wants to do this and that. So, you know, there's just so many career opportunities and they start seeing those big brother, big sister type um, mentors. And it's like, oh, I want to do that. Um, so we're seeing the possibilities and thinking about the possibilities, of what they want to do in their career uh, at a much sooner age uh, than what most people think. Um, at all levels, it's very important that college and career readiness programs provide students with that information, um, you know, those different array of possibilities rather than just dictating that path. Uh, we have a career tech to go trailer that we uh, have some items in. We have a virtual welder in there. We have a robotic arm. We have a, a simulated paint sprayer. We have um, some four by fours with some screws that students will use an impact on, you know, just just getting some hands-on stuff. And I mean, you will get students that literally are scared to death of grabbing a drill and then get ready to put that bit into that screw and then that noise that that makes, you know, so might've been the first time they've ever done it. So we feel that it's very important to uh, to go to the elementaries and middle schools. And, um, you know, and even um, I catch myself a lot in my, uh, I've noticed what better um, place to go meet new business partners is than your local chamber of commerce. You know, those events right there are so valuable in, in my in my position that I have um, and share those trades and they get that word out too. Um, actually, this year we, we uh, started partnering. Um, we've been a part of Manufacturing Day for several years, uh, but we've been working with uh, our chamber of getting uh, or local chamber of getting more business partners to, to open those doors. So um, and we also share correct career tech um, at a young age. We have a camp, um, Camp Excel. Um, it's grades fourth through seventh graders, uh, myself and a recruitment coordinator um, do that camp in the summer, uh, getting those students exposed to some some career fields. So, you know, companies need that talent development strategy that addresses those needs, concerns and business realities. So we hope that, you know, we hope that those kind of things help. The best way to develop um, or implement those strategies is to kind of establish those partnerships, like I said, with our local um, chamber of commerces. Um, but getting them involved and, and getting them exposed to that career tech too, you know, they, they're, they're business partners, you know, they focus on business partners, let them kind of get involved in the, in the high school side of it as well. So um, that kind of, you know, if you can kind of specifically look at that and, and go to the career tech world, the hands-on world, 
uh, it gets that exposure to students. So, so um, at Upper Valley Career Center, we have what we refer to as three work-based learning programs. Um, our apprenticeship program starts employment after the students uh, start or finish their junior year, so they have to qualify uh, into their senior year. So it's a it's a two week on, two week off model rotation. So two weeks at work, uh, full time, uh, daily hours. They start the day and end the day with the company and the employees. So they have time clock meetings. Um, you know, at seven o'clock in the morning, like everybody else does, and they're clocking out like everybody else does. Um, you know, I, th I think that's very important because they start becoming that team member, you know, that employee, and they're not just, hey, that kid over there, uh, hey, have that kid do this or have that kid do that. Sure. Um, that, it, that, that's so important, you know, let them get into the mix and let them get glued in there as well. Um, and then the other two weeks, they come back to school full time. Uh, in the mornings, they get academics because they still need to get their high school diploma. Uh, at our school, we have full academics. Um, and then they get additional career tech training um, in the afternoon, what, whatever career field they're, they're in by their, their lab instructor. So, you know, and, and here's some, some kind of cool stuff that, uh, you know, during their academics, they're learning those real world scenarios and life skills. And I think that's one of the things that makes our school so cool is that, you know, once again, the the stigma of, hey, the career center or vocational school is easier. I don't think it's necessarily easier. It just, it makes sense, you know, and uh, um, our, our academic teachers do a fabulous job of making things tie to what the career fields are. Um, and, you know, the real world scenarios and, and life skills. So, you know, here's an example, our math, um, we have an apprenticeship math class. They use a Dave Ramsey educational curriculum, um, the foundation in personal finance. Um, they learn what credit scores are. They're saving money uh, for big purchase items, hopefully staying somewhat debt free. Um, they're investing. These are high school kids. All right. Investing in their 401ks in high school. Now, come on. That's that's pretty cool Absolutely. stuff. Awesome. That That is cool. And, and it never fails. You know, I'll get a student that I had a kid. I have a Camaro. Um, very much like Todd has a Camaro. And uh, I have a student uh, that. Uh, worked in the construction field last year that showed up about uh, March after he'd been in the, in the, uh, the program in a Camaro, uh, much uh, faster than mine. I'm not going to say it's nicer because I love my Camaro, but much faster than mine. I'm like, man, why, why did you go in? You know, I started immediately dad mode. Why'd you go in debt for that? I didn't go in debt. I saved him. He, he worked with his dad on a, you know, side jobs and all the money that he worked during his apprenticeship, he saved and paid cash for that car and told me that he wouldn't even have known that much about that if it wasn't from that math class. So very he cool. paid cash for that. That's pretty cool. Yes. So um, our second work-based learning program is what we refer to as advanced placement. Um, kind of the platinum, the cream of the crop is that apprenticeship, the two week on, two week off, just because it's that true feeling, getting them adapted to the real world of work. Um, but our, our second work-based learning program is advanced placement. It starts employment after the student's junior year, just like the apprenticeship does. But, and it, a lot of times it's employer driven. It's the traditional, maybe when we were in school, the half day or three quarter day where students come get their academics and then um, they may not go in their lab and they get their, their lab is basically their work. Um, and then we have a three, third work-based learning program. It's called our early placement. Um, I have a coordinator that works with me, Naomi Baker. Um, she, uh, oversees that, but it starts employment after the students have completed the first semester of their senior year. So the other two is immediately after their junior year is completed, starting their senior year. And then these students uh, on uh, early placement um, start at the second semester of their senior year. Um, so many years ago, that's all we had. And we've grown these these partnerships, and which have grown, obviously, the workforce needs. 
Um, and this is for a student that maybe didn't qualify for the other two and they come back and they see their buddy doing what they're doing and making money and like, holy cow, I screwed up last year. Or they could just be a student that just decided. I mean, I have students every year that, you know, I just, I just want to stick, I just want to stick with school, you know, um, just want to, you know, I qualify, but maybe they're, they're doing sports at, at, uh, their associate school and they're just like, I want to focus on football. Um, so, but we just, you know, we want to make sure that the students have, um, uh, you know, options. So all the programs are, um, they have to qualify for the programs. They have to get a certain GPA, uh, attendance rate, recommendations from their lab instructors, because it's very important to get, uh, you know, those lab skills. So, um, so to help to understand a little bit deeper, um, I feel there's three steps to work-based learning, the things I've just talked about. So career awareness and exploration, those camps, those open house, career tech to go trailer, you know, uh, different programs in different schools, we're teaching and the students are learning about careers and companies. Uh, career prep, that's kind of what I think is once they get to us, um, I call it the be skilled, be qualified, uh, be skilled, be qualified, be paid, you know, but it's a career prep, career prep, you know, this is getting those students building those projects, you know, job shadows, worksite tours, manufacturing day, which Isaiah Industries uh, always helps out with our students, opens their doors up for that. Um, they're learning with the company, you know, they're learning uh, about that company, so to speak. And then career application. That's what our work-based learning programs are. That's what our apprenticeship program is. They're learning in the companies. Um, so there's a mentor at those companies that those students uh, work with or more than one uh, while they're on that two week at work rotation. So I think a couple of things that makes our uh, program successful is we're, we're truly bridging that classroom to careers. Um, you know, if we wait until they graduate, um, and there will be no safety net for that education to employment. So we're kind of that safety net in some cases. So, so a little bit real quick about the nuts and bolts of the program. I said all that just to get to this point. So, um, we also call it the earn and learn program. Uh, our employers visit our labs while the students are juniors to recruit them. Um, it's, you know, it's to their place of employment in that particular company. So it's like a football draft. You know, the employers want the best, right? Uh, so the, the student qualifies for, uh, through the prerequisites and, um, and then once, um, students start, uh, have met that criteria, I'm in the classroom saying, Hey, this is the group of employers that, you know, I have an interest in employer interest inventory sheet that, Hey, these are the employers that's knocking on the doors that want you guys. Um, and you know, oftentimes they want the, you know, what we notice, especially during COVID. Um, and I've said this even before that, but especially since the COVID era here, is they want to be able to create create habits in these students versus getting somebody like maybe ourselves and breaking habits. Um, and I say that because you can you can think for yourself some of the things that has happened since COVID that has caused our workforce needs to kind of increase, um, but maybe the pool of uh, employees has has decreased. So you know they don't have some of these habits that an old person older person i didn't say old person older <laughs> person and i do oftentimes say old person cuz anybody over 20 to a 17 or 18 year old is old absolutely so, so but you know i asked the students i sit down with them i said what's a good life what does it mean and how do you get it you know uh, a life that has that meaningful meaningful work um something that makes you proud uh, as we all know those stories you drive you know if you're in construction you drive by that you don't think about it when you especially in your high school but never fails. I lived in uh, what I called the projects for 20 years. I call it the project because it was actually a house that our students built. Um, and our, our carpentry students built it. Uh, our electrical students wired it. Our HVAC, um, you know, did the HVAC install, the ductwork fabrication. Our landscape landscaped it. Um, and, you know, 
when the students were doing it, it wasn't that they didn't think much about it, but man, it never fails. I'll be out front washing my car at that when, when I still owned that. I just moved a couple of years ago, but, and that was a hard move for me because I have always prided myself in living in that, you know, their homework, so to speak. And, but yet, how am I going to tell that story? But, you know, here's the cool thing. My new house, all but one trade was from our school. Um, they were graduates from our school. So very, very proud to still say that, but it would never fail. I'd be out front and I'd have a student stop and go, Hey man, is that, is, so I noticed your house not burnt down. We wired that, you know, I'd drive, <laughs> you know, of course they're reproducing now. So they have children and some of them I actually encourage not to reproduce, but that's all right. But, uh, they, they, they reproduce and have children and they'd be like, Oh yeah, I told my son, you know what? Daddy built that. Daddy wired that. It's like, you know, you didn't think that when you're 17, did you? You're too cool. But you get 27, 30, you know, you're like, yeah, I did that. So it's kind of cool. You know, it, it, that part's kind of cool. So, but, you know, you have to think about that skilled trades. You know, um, if I if I ask that student, what's a meaningful, what's it going to take for you to be proud of what you do? Um, and as you can imagine, one trade uh, has many career offerings. Um, you know, these opportunities and careers are not jobs, they're careers. I tell them that. You know, so you take that student that's a that's a sophomore looking at coming to the career center and, and let's talk about our electrical trades program, because one of them that I'm very proud of as well. I don't know if I'm OK to to throw out uh, company names, but our electrical trades instructor who typically I place at least 50 to 70 percent of the students out of that program, just in the apprenticeship program uh, right out of the gate, um, was actually received one hundred thousand dollars for his program just a matter of weeks ago from. Uh, Harbor Freight uh, Schools for uh, tool, Tools for Schools. Um, so just just a phenomenal, you know, and that just helps bring some quality things into the to classroom tools and things like that uh, to help our students. But, you know, you get that student that's a sophomore and said, hey, I'm going to take electrical. You know, let's be honest. What what do you think he's he or she's thinking? Um, you know, it's it's hey, I, I flip a switch on at my house and lights come on. Hey, there's a lot of magic involved in that. You know, it has nothing to do with magic. You know, the you know, you plug in your 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 cell phone and it starts charging. He's like, man, how did that electric get to you know into that little socket thing there? And then I plugged this in and it started working. So they get that. And then you know, there's so many opportunities. And let's talk about the electrical trades. There's so many opportunities. You know, and I come along once they're eligible uh, for the apprenticeship program and start putting them, you know, working them with a the company. So we do job shadows. They get a chance to kind of see what that day in the, in, the, in the life of an electrician out there in the work, real work is. Because at our school, we start at 823. <clears throat> business partnerships with our business partners, they might start at 5 or 530 a.m. So uh, to, to some of these students, that's that's a slap in the face. Um, but, you know, I come along, I put them with a company and all of a sudden that company you know, they, they ran conduit or they ran Romax, you know, their junior year and, and they're doing conduit. Um, maybe they haven't done that yet. They haven't, maybe they haven't learned that yet. So they are, um, you know, learning on the job. Um, and maybe I come along and I'm starting to get a lot of, of employer requests, um, for industrial maintenance positions. Um, most of our placement is coming from our electrical trades program. Um, it's not the perfect fit, but it's, it's, it's becoming a great fit. It really is. But you get somebody that has electrical background, somebody that's willing to work, uh, somebody that's willing to kind of do those things. Um, and, and, you know, once again, remember a year before that, that kid came down and thought he was just going to figure out how a light switch works. Now he's working on these big presses or something like that. Once again, one trade has many career offerings. So, you know, once that student qualifies, they're out there working. Uh, they do that two week on, two week off rotation all during the summer. 
Um, about August, I sit down, find out how many students uh, made the cut because that, that's the first trial period. Typically, that's that's a good 100 uh, percent. Every once in a while, it might be 99 percent. But majority of the time, those students qualify during the summer. They're, they stay on with that two week on, two week off during the school. Um, so I take that list of students um, and I break it into what we refer to at school as the A-B rotation. So uh, Todd, you would be A. Seth, you would be B. Todd would start out at school once school started out uh, in August. You would be at school for two weeks, getting your academics, additional career technical program training. And Seth, you would be out working for those two weeks full time, you know, getting making really nice money. Um, and so that rotation just continues throughout the school year, uh, working with that rotation. So we oftentimes hear from our students that they love that rotation um, and that 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 creation of that um, because they don't have to worry about that classwork. Uh, when they're at work and they don't have to worry about work when they're at school, you know, trying to mix the two. Oh, I got to get home and study for a test. No, nope, don't have to worry about that till you get back. So those, you know, and it takes that full gamut, you, that full circle of, of everybody helping, you know, once again, kudos to our academic teachers to be willing to be able to do those things, to see a different group of students every two weeks, you know, and you think about that on that two week on two week off rotation. And I tell the students this, you know, day one, once they're apprentice in school starting up, you know, one rotation, of school and then you go out to work, you're at midterm already. So you have to not only, you qualify for the program, but you must maintain that qualification throughout your your senior year as well as you're doing that. So, um, I mean, you know, students, like I said, are treated more like teammates with those employers. Um, and, and, and I often tell the, remind the employers, you know, I understand they're greenhorns, they're green people, um, but they're receiving training at no cost to the students or the employers. Come on, free training, that's pretty cool. You know, the employers, everybody loves that. So, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's kind of cool. Um, little history on a little apprenticeship numbers. Um, our program started out with just a construction trades, our HVAC, our electrical and carpentry programs utilizing that two week on two week off apprenticeship model. Um, and, and our program is recognized through the state of Ohio through, uh, OSAC or, uh, apprentice Ohio. So our students, if they get into a registered apprenticeship upon graduation, they can get credit up for up to one year of their uh, four or five year journey person's uh, certificate. So that's pretty cool, too. They don't think much about it, but man, not happening once again, relearn that same thing and have to pay for that. So um, but we're up to those. We started out with those three trades and we're up to 13 skilled trades programs utilizing this two week on two week off model. So uh, it's 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 great. So in 2009, the program went away um, during the economic hardships and staffing requirements and things like that. So the school retooled it. Um, I became the coordinator almost 10 years ago, and we've been able to kind of grow the program from eight students to last year. We had 76, 76 students um, at the same time that we were adding, you know, demand in demand jobs and career tech programs. Um, that's that's neat in itself. So those 76 and I hear some cool stuff. Those 76 students made over $1.5 million while they were part of that program their senior year. Goodness. I mean, that, that deserves a while, yeah, you know. Absolutely. And drum roll, but this year I'm excited that uh, currently we have 97 students that participating in our, our apprenticeship uh, two week on, two week off. So I'm looking forward to possibly breaking that $2 million mark, guys. That's incredible when you think about the impact that's having on the workforce out uh amongst employers and so forth. And as Seth said earlier, that's just the number one thing we hear in the construction industry is I can't find people. Um, can, kudos to you guys. You're making a difference in that. Thank that's you. cool stuff. Thank you.
It's team, that's for sure. So what's the feedback you get from those employers on these uh, students that you're placing with them? You know, I, as they enter into the program, I imagine that historically they're out there placing job ads looking for people with five years experience or something and having to really rethink their perspective on their staffing needs and who they're going to recruit and go after. But uh, once they get in the program and start working with these kids, what what are they telling you? Well, perfect example. About 15 minutes before this, I had a phone call from uh, an employer that's a first-year employer, um, local electric company about 30 miles uh, south. And he's like, man, I, I what do I got to get in, do to get in there to get another Keaton for next year? I need new two Keatons. And, uh, you know, it's just the success of these students and, and the employers willing to take the time to invest in this. Um, I don't want them to immediately become that employee. There has to be that training involved and don't forget that. And uh, it's just, it's so cool. And I think a lot of times it's just, you know, in, in my in my job, um, or my, in my career, <laughs> I just said job again. That's a dirty word. That's a bad word. But in my career, I have to uh, uh, work with a lot of different um, avenues of a company. I might deal with HR. You know, I might deal with, a, you know, a plant manager, a floor supervisor, or a field supervisor, or those kind of things. So a lot of times it's getting them to the table, letting them understand. You bring those heavy hitters right out of the gate into our school. Uh, I think that's key, man. If I can get employers in our building, see what happens in that school. I mean, we're like a little city underneath there, underneath that roof and get a chance to see what the heck is going on in their community that they drive by every day. And it, it never fails guys. You hear that. Wow. I didn't know this happened. I just had a new one yesterday. You know, uh, wow. I didn't, you know, I thought I knew what happened down here, but I didn't know all these things happen. And then just to see the students uh, in the labs building and working and, you know, majority of that's just because there's so much, and this is why the employers are willing to do it. There is some training involved. You know, we do that up front. There's still continued training that needs to be involved while they're at, at work, you know, at school or um, at work with a mentor. But sometimes it's getting those other people that they work around breaking that stigma that they're a kid, you know, Hey, let, let them feel part of it. And, you know, those are the things that I kind of have to help with, with students, like, you know, how to work, how to deal with people, you know, and, and oftentimes it's not necessarily, and I'm not saying it's rainbows and unicorns. My program is not that. All right. Uh, it has hiccups. It has things. I have basically 97 employees is the way I look at it. So if you're a company that has employees, you can imagine there's all sorts of different, um, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you, you, you deal with that and, uh, you help them, you know, you help them become that. But, you know, it's like, oh, this guy doesn't like me. What do I do? You know, we got to figure this out. You know, if you're 40 years old and the guy don't like you, you, you might have matured enough to know what to do, you know, um, you know, invite them over and play wee bowling and beat them at it. And, you know, and then everybody goes on and buys the other guy lunch. But no, it's just, it's just adapting life. But the employer's just, um, like I said, it's not perfect. It's by no, by, by no means do I want anybody to take, oh, wow, that's, that's just perfect polished and go. No, it's you're, I'm dealing with high school students here. But if those employers can see the value in investing in these, these young, you know, this young workforce, um, uh, once again, creating habits in the workforce that they, they want, uh, versus breaking those habits, that, that breeds its success right there. Absolutely. And you're, you're bringing out a key point or what I'm taking away is, you know, the employer has to understand what they're getting into as a key, you know, component of this 
a three-legged stool. This is yes. not bringing in the kind of bringing in a temp worker type of mentality. You still have to provide training. You still have to build those relationships. But if everyone's working in coordination, it can obviously be very, very successful. You're hired. You're, <laughs> that's exactly right. That's it. There we go. There is an investment on their end as well. So looking at past graduation and, and on into their senior year, what's the rate of ongoing employment with these partnerships or, or the rate at which these uh, students are maintaining that, uh, those, you know, that, uh, that career and uh, on the rest of their life? Well, we're, uh, one of the things that we're required by the Ohio Department of Education to do what's called a one-year post-graduation follow-up survey. Um, uh, the, the lady that I work with, Naomi Baker, uh, she works with me in the career. We have created a career advancement center within the school, the center of the school, so students can come to our career advancement center and help them with resumes, you know, and do all the things that I've talked about already with placement and matching them up with an employer. But she uh, she does the file, takes on that task of um, what the state calls the post-program placement report. Um, I call it the three E's, employment, enrollment, which would be college, uh, or enlistment in the military. So they're either employed they're either enrolled in college or they're enlisted in the military um, or even more so Tony Trapp language. What'd you do with that diploma? You know, what, what have you done so far with that diploma? So um, so when I share this data, it may get a little confusing to our audience um, with the students that are in my apprenticeship program, the students that have met. So, you know, the 70, 76 last year, um, 99 percent of them stay on with the employer. Um, and it varies uh, reasoning why um, maybe it's just. And then that's a, that's a great opportunity too. maybe it's just maybe that whole career field isn't what they thought it was going to be. Or they decide that, you know, they're an electrician and then they're going to go to electrical engineering at a, you know, a local university or something. So maybe they didn't stay on with that employer. So there's lots of different reasons why that may not be. Um, but we have about another 80 or so students that participated in our other work based learning programs that I, I talked about earlier. Um, so we're at about 95% continued placement one year after graduation from the follow-up survey. So as you can imagine, tracking those about 450, 460 students down can be quite the task uh, for her. So, and, you know, uh, you know, I live in the community. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I run into students. So I want to, I want to say mine's a little bit different on my follow-up because I just continue to follow up with them. You know, I mean, I keep that school cell number. I have students reach out to me, you know, five, six, seven years so far out. And it's like, Hey, trap, how you doing? Or, Hey, I don't know if you heard, but I'm, you know, I changed. This is where I'm at. Or, Hey, I went back to school or, Hey, you know, like I said earlier, they did reproduce. Hey, I got two kids now, you know, <laughs> haven't seen you at Kroger lately or Walmart, you know? <laughs> so uh, that's how my follow-up is. It's, 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 it's in the trenches. You know, one of the biggest complaints oftentimes from employers is, rapid turnover. They hire somebody and three weeks later, they're on to something else. What you folks are doing seems like it would really set folks, set these students entering the workplace off on a great foot because they know what they're getting into and they know that employer. So I can see that as a as a real positive as well. Now, I, I know that there's an international exchange component uh, to what you folks do. I'd love to hear about that. I was a short-term exchange student to Germany in high school. I Got to take my first airplane flight sitting next to Steve Weedock, my teacher, and uh, go over there for all kinds of fun stuff. But anyway, um, tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing with uh, International. Uh, yeah, we have a, a youth apprenticeship program that we started back in 2017 um, after traveling with one of our local chamber of commerces uh, to Hanover, Germany, 
uh, in 2015. Uh, so our local chamber of commerce come approached our superintendent, um, Dr. Luce at that time and said, Hey, how would you like to go over to me this, with this conference? And she's like, Oh, I don't think I'm a good fit, but how about you take our apprenticeship coordinator? So myself and our assistant superintendent at the time, Jason Hawk traveled with our local chamber of commerce. Cause this is what I think is awesome. This is where getting in there, um, in those work, in those, um, Chamber of Commerce has just been so fruitful, man. I mean, you know, we, we want to feel like we help them too, but they help us. But he wanted to kind of flex his muscles and go, Hey, because he was going to visit, um, you know, while we were there about five different companies that were, they have, uh, mother companies, you know, they have sister companies there in, in Troy, Ohio. They have mother companies in that area. So he's going to show off what educational, um, programs that we have to help train the workforce, you know, show off what we have. Um, but we attended uh, a very large international manufacturing trade show, the Hanover Mesa trade show. Um, and while we were there, you know, I mean, I love trade shows, but holy cow, a whole week of it. I'm like, I'm not quite sure I could handle this, but we wanted to make our, our experience valued. So myself and the, our assistant superintendent reached out to some some uh, high schools there in Hanover, uh, reached out to they still do use the term um uh, vocational education, but we want to discuss the youth apprenticeship program. So as m you may or may not know, you know, Germany is pretty well known for their apprenticeship programs. So how can we learn from some self, uh, some best practices from them? So, so after meeting with several schools, we connected with uh, a school called BBSME. It's in Hanover, Germany, and they're very similar to us. And I was, I was able to connect with their coordinator, uh, Matthias Merker. And, um, Matthias is, is, is very, um, outgoing and he, he actually lived in the Milwaukee area for a while and um, and believe it or not actually taught English um, but they were to, 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 to German students but um, and he's like hey you know how can we do this <coughs> excuse me how can we do this how can we do an exchange I'm like what an exchange you know it's like I don't think we do that my students don't speak German he's like, oh no no they don't need to you know our students speak really good English I help them with it you know and uh, how can we do this well you know that sounded cool but how am I going to build up the nerve to be able to talk to uh, you know our superintendent about this holy cow was that an easy task you know because first of all I had second in command with me you know our assistant superintendent and he's like great idea I love it let's uh, let's figure out what's going to do so we decided to further those discussions use uh, you know regarding that youth apprenticeship and you know bam next thing you know we're, we create an apprenticeship exchange program for career technical education you know I mean how cool is that we have a sister school in Germany that's pretty cool man so we all know high schools that offer those exchanges like you know Todd talked about for foreign language classes but a, a, a vocational, you know, career tech apprenticeship exchange. That's cool. So yeah, a little bit, uh, about that. Traditionally, we select, uh, 10 students from various trades, um, to host, uh, 10 students from Germany, uh, in the fall of the school year. Um, and then our students that hosted, uh, reciprocate in the spring and they go to Germany and those students in Germany host our students to learn more about cultural, you know, uh, culture, school days, apprenticeship training, um, and, you know, as we take our training globally. I mean, how cool is that? Uh, it's absolutely amazing opportunity for our students, our schools and communities. And, and here's a here's a cool one for you. <laughs> so I think it was our second exchange that we went on. We had one of our local girls that um, she, she was a senior. She was in our engineering program is like um, she was actually she's from Fiji. Uh, had been adopted here uh, in, in Pequa uh, through a, just a tremendous family. And uh, she was selected as one of our exchange students. 
which has its own story in itself because, you know, I have to start getting all these students ready for their passports and things. And then all of a sudden, you know, not just take a person that's been born and raised in America. All of a sudden I find out she has a Fiji passport. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You got to become a U.S. citizen first. So her task was just holy cow right out of the gate. But we got it. We got it. Three days before we left, she got her passport. And uh, a week and a half before that, she become a U.S. citizen. So, so cool. But that story gets better. She goes over with us on the exchange and she's a senior. So they have a 13th year there um, in, uh, in Hanover, Germany. So, you know, oftentimes when I was in high school, I thought I was going to have a 13th year too, but (laughs) I I made made it, but, uh, but she had, so she had, before we left, uh, you know, I didn't even know anything about this. She had applied for this exchange, you know, post-secondarily. Well, when we were there, she says, uh, Mr. Trapp, she said, um, I'm, I'm a finalist. I said, finalist for what? She said, I'm a top three finalist to be able to come, you know, to Germany, blah, blah, blah. And she starts telling me about this thing. And I'm like, that's cool. Where at? She's like, I don't know. You think I can come to Hanover? I'm like, I don't know anything about your program. How am I going to answer that? So man, just sitting down with staff members and working with that young lady, guess what happened? She graduated. She got an exchange for uh, the apprenticeship and she was based in Hanover, Germany, Guess who she stayed with? Her host family. Wow, that's awesome. Her host family. And she was there. We actually, we had a group of 10 students in Germany when COVID hit in March of, uh, what was that, 19? Um, so uh, President Trump uh, made the announcement apparently at like 8.20 p.m. on a Tuesday night that shutting the borders down, if you're out of the country, you need to get back. And uh, at uh, 2.20 a.m. Wednesday morning, because they're six hours ahead, I get a phone call saying, got to get these kids back to America, you know? <laughs> and she was actually, um, you know, she had already graduated. She was there with that family. She came back. Um, and then a year went past, and I just talked to her. Oh, my gosh. It, you know, so cool. Uh, you know, social media and, and, and technology is so cool. Her and I, she just pops in my mind sometimes and I'll reach out to her, catch her on the bus. She's in Hanover, Germany now, continuing her apprenticeship. She has her her partner, her business partner, and she's still going to school. Wow. I mean, all from a little uh, exchange program right here. And guess what? I think she's sweet on the guy that uh, her family hosted her, uh, the the brother of it. So I think there might we might even be matchmakers, you know, you uh, global matchmakers. <laughs> you, you may have just announced something there. You never know. <laughs> well, they don't. They all know. Mom and Dad already knows. We've had that conversation. Like, wow. <laughs> I often say we're like matchmakers. We're trying to match those students to the to the employer. But man, I didn't know it. On the love side, too. <laughs> That's a great story. And I remember when you had those students over there, right, when the lockdown was starting and uh, everyone on social media was kind of watching and praying for those kids. And, and you guys, hey, man, that's that. true. That, that's true. We, we made it back. We made it back in uh, record time. Wow. Yeah. Before they shut the gates. <laughs> so so tell us a little bit about the Career Center's um, outlook and any proposed solutions you have for the current skilled labor shortage. Maybe any statistics you have to share on that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we feel we have a good jump start on uh, the solution through those, you know, one of those three work-based learning programs. I uh, hope to thank that. Uh, we continue to add additional career tech programs that participate in those work-based learning programs um, at a much sooner rate. Um, and I'll explain it this way. For instance, this year we added four. Um, technically, we have 101 apprentices. I just overseeing 97 of those. We added four medical careers academy students to that apprenticeship rotation um, due to, as we all know, the healthcare, the needs in healthcare. Um, and it wasn't that they weren't involved before. It was just 
it's kind of on our part as, as a facility, we had to change curriculum around um, because what the students needed to be able to go out those credentials to be able to go out in the workforce um, were taught at a later time in their school year. So we had to move that forward uh, so that they would be able to have those certificates, certifications to be able to go out and, and work with them. So we're growing those workforce um, opportunities for different uh, career, you know, additional career fields. So um, Naomi has four of those medical careers academy students out. And she, I think she had 10 students in the summer uh, through an internship program. So um, some of our programs do not have that, you know, the proper certification, like I talked about, you know, having those certificates added earlier in the student's junior year during the curriculum um, just helps solidify that senior year and permits them to be able to go out on that job training uh, while still in school. You know, here's a good example, our cosmetology program. We have a cosmetology program. Um, and if you want to know inform more information about our school itself, it's www.uppervalleycc.org, uppervalleycc.org to talk about all of our programs that we have. But, you know, that's a good example. Uh, no way around that one. Those students cannot go out until second semester of their senior year because they don't they haven't taken their state board certification test yet to be able to go out and be employed. So but we're looking at trying to change, you know, things around on that too. But overall school wide, um, 96 percent of our students were employed in their, their career field study. Uh, like I said earlier, that college career, mil military, whatever. Um, and about 45% of those students through those work-based learning programs, you know, almost 50% are already working before they leave school. So I would, I would like to think that those things are, you know, those things are helping uh, with those workforce needs. Oh, no question. It's having a significant impact. Absolutely. Uh, what would your advice be to a construction company or any company looking to build a relationship with the, you know, their local vocational education center and and potentially developing that type of a, apprentice relationship well um i'd encourage them to get you know connected with them reach out to them unfortunately maybe the, the career center hasn't they may not have that coordinator like myself because i'm kind of that extension of the school or you know those programs um, so it can be difficult for those teachers i don't want to put blame on it but if they haven't reached out to you reach out to them you know get involved um you know uh, just become an advisory committee um member you know, and, and, and get involved and, and come in classroom, um, be a guest speaker, share best practices, share with some of the neat things that that's helped make them successful. Cool. And like what we talked about earlier, you know, those other uh, setting a, having a proper expectation for what the relationship going to look like, but how fruitful it can be for everyone involved. Any other unique programs at, at UVCC or other exciting uh, developments or dreams happening in, in CTE education that, that really excites you? Well, you know, that's an interesting one. Um, I'll try not to get in the weeds too much, but there's about 49 career centers across Ohio that um, have different options for students and maybe different career opportunities available for that particular region or area. Uh, so to answer that question um, a little differently, uh, we'd like to see maybe less standardized testing across the board, across the state. Um, our career tech students are tested more than a traditional high school student. I'm going to get very political here. <laughs> so you ask, um, they have to take state tests for their academic, you know, like we're, we're used to seeing, you know, for high school. Plus they have to take career technical program tests. You know, I mean, there's a good chance that they came to the career center because they're not good test takers, you know, and, and they are tested more at a, you know, at a career center in, in, in Ohio in case, um, then maybe, a, like I said, a traditional high school. Um, 
But we're very fortunate. We have some amazing academic teachers and, and career tech teachers and administration that help work through that per- curriculum, makes things relevant. Um, that's why it, oftentimes it's easier. It's just because it's relevant. Um, but, you know, that's 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 key right there. Um, I also like to see uh, more access to career tech education in some of our comprehensive schools. I mean, we're we're at a big capacity right now. We're at over a thousand students on our campus. Um, eight years ago, we were at uh, about six hundred and seventy. I believe that number is. Um, so we have just we have just grown. Um, so we, we're needing to to get our satellite, get, create satellite programs and put them in our comprehensive schools for, you know, whether it's career exploration, um, you know, before they sign up for a program like we have in our middle schools um, to kind of funnel them to us or, you know, um, you know, out of our, our current satellite programs that we have, we have 14 associate schools and we don't have satellite programs in all those schools. Um, let's we're hoping to get more into that. Um, and I'd also love to see driver's education added back into the schools as an accredited class. Um, that's a big challenge. We often face that challenge of students not having a driver's license before they go out to work. Um, you know, some may have to wait until midsummer to start that apprenticeship due to that problem. So um, there's an Ohio Revised Code that allows our students under the age of 18. If any of our podcast listeners were thinking about, hey, how do you get these high school kids in there? We're very blessed in the state of Ohio that there's an Ohio Revised Code that lets that uh, take place. And a lot of that's because they're in a career technical pre-apprenticeship program like ourselves. Um, because our, stu- our students have been trained, you know, that first year uh, while before they even go out. Um, so they're, they're familiar with what, what OSHA is. It, it's not a big body of water. It's, it's not OSHIN, <laughs> it's OSHA, you know. So um, just things like that, it helps get them adapted to that. Um, but, man, um, I see that every year. And, you know, and, and honestly, I mean, it, <clears throat> if you haven't put a kid, a young man or young lady on the road lately, whew, it's expensive to put to find a car and then to find, you know, insurance. I mean, I, my youngest son was a good student. He got, uh, you know, good grade discount and all that stuff. I bought him an $1,800 car because that's all he needed <laughs> just in case. Cause I didn't quite trust him with much more. <laughs> and, uh, it cost $1,500 the first year to insure him. I'm like, Holy cow, you know? So, um, but you know, just getting these kids on the road to be able to go out to some of these jobs, you know, because if they're in the construction world, as I often tell them, you have to go where the work is. You know, you're going to have to go to those job sites. So they're going to have to have reliable transportation as well. But, man, just getting the driver's license under their belt is, is has been a huge task. Um, and then, you know, the COVID thing thumped it, too. So, you know, there was kids ready to, last year to get to get their license. And then all of a sudden all those bureaus shut down. And then even when they opened back up, they, they closed some of them, you know, for good. So but that's one I'd love to see drivers, driver's ed being added back into school like it was maybe when some of us were in school. Do you feel like we've kind of, you know, crossed that bridge at least where there isn't the stigma associated with, you know, kids are growing up being told you got to go to college? I mean, I was a product of that generation. That's what I was told. And and I kind of walked and, and followed suit with that. Um, in the end, I often look back on my college days and say, you know, I learned a lot of soft skills. I didn't learn anything that helped me with my career realistically. Um, do you think we've kind of jumped that where finally families are starting to talk about other options and careers rather than just the natural, you got to go to college? Regionally, absolutely. I mean, career tech is finally cool regionally. It's just changed. I mean, once again, even parents that come in for our open house is just blown away. And they, they could have been a product of the school back in the 80s or 90s. And they're like, holy cow, this isn't even the same school. You know, it's kind of like this isn't your daddy's Buick, you know. Um, but just uh, I think statewide, 
Um, Ohio leads it, you know, with 49 career centers, but even nationally, um, you know, uh, we have a company that, that flies in wholesalers uh, every year uh, into uh, their area. And we spend, they spend a day with our students from different uh, areas of the, you know, the country and they're blown away about career tech education because they may not have it in another state. Um, but in our area, absolutely. And I think it's the success. I think, like I said earlier, career tech is finally cool. You know, I drink the Kool-Aid every day. So I think it's cool. <laughs> I drink career tech Kool-Aid. We, we do as well. <laughs> and sometimes I spill it on me. So hoping that you guys uh, get a little bit of it too. So anything we could do to kind of share those best practices. And, you know, I absolutely appreciate and love that you guys have had a, allowed us to be able to do this because things like this allows that great word to get out. It's always fun uh, talking with someone who's as passionate about anything as you are about career edu- uh, technical education. So a wonderful conversation, but, uh, you know, all the more uh, powerful with the impact it has on our industry, the economy, and obviously the the lives of these students. Uh, that's been such a blessing to hear uh, those stories mixed in with this as well. So thanks so much for for all you were doing on on all those fronts. Um, to before we wrap up, uh, wanted to ask if you might uh, extend the conversation a little bit and be willing to participate in our rapid fire question round. Uh, so something. Fun questions may be silly or a little more serious that we like to uh, to end our conversations with. Uh, there will be seven questions, and you're, if you agree to be a part, uh, the only commitment is that you provide some sort of answer for each of them. Uh, so, Tony, are you up to up to the rapid fire questions? Absolutely not, because I've been listening to other podcasts and nobody's ever said no. You said it. And <laughs> there we go. It, I, I think it was. Uh, I don't know. I might be wrong, but Bob Zab, Zabkit, and you said, oh, nobody's really ever said no. So I just said no for that. <laughs> but no, I would love it. Shoot, shoot, fire away. First question, are you a morning or a night person? Good Lord. I told you what time I took a call last night and I was wide awake. So I am definitely a night person. One of my struggles growing up was, uh, as I said, I was a, a product of career tech. And uh, even though I loved going, I still had six alarm clocks at one point in my life. Uh, to wake me up because I, my, you know, their habit for me. So I, I would know where the next one was. I'd turn it off. And then five minutes later, the next one would, but definitely, uh, you know, with age that changes. Um, you know, when you get my age, you're lucky to get three or four hours of sleep anyways without having to wake up in the middle of the night. <laughs> so, uh, but definitely a night there person. We go. You kind of tipped your hand at this question a little earlier, but would love to hear more. Uh, what is your favorite car? Ah, Chevy Camaro. I'll go with that. Um, my wife and I had one when we first started dating. Um, so, uh, we, uh, I bought it, um, brand new. Uh, I was working. I was work, one of our work base. I was a product of our third work based learning program. At that time, all we had was early placement. So I was working. I had not been taught Dave Ramsey. So I went out to our local Chevy dealer, went in debt, $208 and 38 cents a month for a, a 1985 Chevy Camaro that I chose not to get air conditioning in. And, uh, my wife and I started dating. I felt sorry for her because we would head off to, to places dressed up or we'd go to church and I'd have to roll the windows down to cool it off in this, you know, summertime. And then I got rid of it and, uh, fast forward about 35 years. And I was kind of like, Hey, honey, you know, I'm thinking about getting something. She's like, well, we'll get a Camaro. I'm like, what? You're actually encouraging me to do this. Let's do it. So she said, well, we had one when we were dating and, to, to the almost to the date, almost to the date. Within two weeks, we uh, we purchased another Camaro. I've got a convertible, and uh, we enjoy just spending time together and, and uh, riding. You know, just riding around. 
So Chevy Camaro, I'll go with that. Very cool. Well, yeah, you mentioned it. Some similarities with uh, Todd there with the Camaro and sentimental attachment to cars. You yeah, that. I do have that. <laughs> I often I often send him texts when I drive by your shop and it looks a little cloudy and the, and the top might be down. It's like, yeah, I might want to put your top up. <laughs> Thank you. Third question. What's your favorite dessert? You know, I started this. That's a tough question. About... Uh, Three years ago, I started this keto diet. So I took sugars and, uh, um, you mm-hmm. know, breads and things away. So, you know, the ultimate was chocolate peanut butter pie, but you can't hardly make that keto. Yeah, yeah. So now it's, uh, it's a packaged keto brownie mix. I will not mention names, but, uh, I just don't, I don't eat the sweets that I used to eat, which is good. Yeah. Um, but, uh, just not a dessert eater like I used to, but I will say that I have adapted and I, I have a, uh, a small little brick of 90% cocoa. Everybody's going to go, Ugh, but that's my go-to dessert snack after a meal now. So I'm a sick person. <laughs> yeah. That peanut butter <laughs> pie will throw you out of ketosis. Uh, real quick. Our school actually has a culinary arts or culinary arts or a culinary program. And apparently we have some of the best peanut butter pie around. I can't tell you, I can tell you what it smells like, but I can't tell you what it tastes Impressive like. willpower there so, for dream vacation. Uh, I've never went on a cruise. I'd probably like to do that. Um, maybe I'm a little, uh, see, I could probably see myself getting seasick, but dream vacation. I don't know, man. I don't, <clears throat> my wife and I aren't much of uh long vacationers. Uh, we took a week off 35, 34 years ago for our honeymoon. <laughs> um, and we haven't taken a week off since we take long weekends. So we literally like to just get out and drive. Um, this is going to be tough to say, especially on a national podcast, being from Ohio, but probably two of my, my favorite places is Tennessee. My in-laws live there, live on the lake. We love that. Just something about the mountains and the lake. But man, my go-to is that state north of us. I know. With them. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, you get up there around Michigan. Um, I left the M off and uh, get around the water and the, the, the uh, you know, Lake Michigan and just the, the sand dunes. Man, there's just something about that. It finally takes away some of those crazy day, you know, stresses. So I can't say that I have a dream one, but, um, you know, I will honestly say it's not a vacation by no means, but I, I'm looking forward to the day to get, be able to get back to our exchange program and get back over into Europe and Germany and, and, uh, um, you know, start building those relationships again. So, but maybe one or two days I can make it a vacation while I'm there. Best concert you've ever been to. Ooh, not much of a concert, um, guy. My first one uh, was um, 1983 at a place called Hair Arena in Dayton with my cousin for a Hank Williams Jr. concert. There we go. That'd be a fun part. Uh, so I was exposed. I lived a pretty sheltered life. I was exposed to a lot of things that night. That was a little weird <laughs> to me. Well, my first concert, also Hair Arena, uh, probably <laughs> two years before yours, I think 1981. Mine was Rush, though. So uh, a, oh, little, Rush. a little different wow. band. Six, do you have any hobbies? Not really. I don't have a lot of time for that. Um, driving. Driving, yeah. Uh, just things that kind of help get my mind off of stuff. And it's my wife and I, neither one have had them. She, it's so funny. She has never been really a hobby person or a crafter. And, man, she, she's got the craft bug. Um, so she's been building some neat things and I help with that. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of fun. Sure. The two of us doing things together sometimes, and sometimes it's not so fun, but yeah, there's, you know, last night was one of those nights. Like she's like, it's a craft night. I'm like, 
who is this girl? You know, <laughs> a year ago, you were not this girl, you know, and I'm trying to fix her up a place in the basement, you know, because I'm just terrified. We have a brand new home with a very expensive countertop and she's doing her crafts on that. I was like, can we move this to the basement? Cause I can see something happen. Nope. I'm good. You know, <laughs> I want my TV. We have an open floor plan. I want my TV and I want the sunlight, you know, so not much of a crafter, but helping my wife with some of the crafts that she does. That's fun. So. Very cool. Awesome. Last one. Favorite movie quote. Mm, wow. That's uh man. I mean, we're we here it is January. It's so close to Christmas right behind us. I would have to go with something something from, you know, Chevy Chase's Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, but man, I'm I'm creepy like this. I like a, a good sling blade too, you know? <laughs> uh, Billy Bob Thornton. So, uh, you know, maybe you, uh, you want some, uh, you got any mustard for this biscuit? <laughs> good. That's a good, something like that. I don't know. That's a tough one. I'm not much of a movie guy. I don't sit still very often. So, but man, I, I, I love me some sling blade every once in a while. <laughs> if you have not watched that, watch that, but it is a, one of the, it's almost like Fargo. It's, it's a weird All movie. right. Well, you do a good Billy Bob Thornton regardless. So there <laughs> you go. Well, that's it. Thanks for having fun with that part as well, Tony. And uh, thank you uh, so much again for, for all you're doing uh, for uh, the lives of your students individually. And then uh, for those of us out there uh, desperate uh, for uh, develop relationships with them and uh, so that we can all be successful uh, businesses and in their careers as well. So uh, any appreciate it guys. Thanks for the time. I do. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Anything before we wrap up that uh, you'd like to say or that we haven't touched on? No, like I said, if, if you're, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you, you know, how can you get involved? Just, I'd, I'd like to encourage our listeners to get more involved with your local tech schools, you know, whether it's a high school program or a, an adult program, you know, just, it, you know, I hate to say it, but maybe it's going to have to take you to take that step to walk in and say, Hey, I just, I want to, I want to learn a little bit about what you do. Um, hopefully you can kind of get some, some good success stories like, like we've had here in our, our area. So, uh, just encourage everyone to kind of get involved. You know, you, you might be, uh, you might be able to donate some things that's been sitting on the shelf, you know, drawing dust and, you know, tax season rolls around. You can write those things off, but you know, maybe somebody else can put them to use and a, a school can use those and students can use them. So, you know, just some donations as well. So. When we first started this podcast, I knew that one of the things we wanted to focus on was technical education. And how awesome was it when I immediately realized, you know, we had a national model right here locally. So uh, fantastic to have you join us here today. Thank you. And we'll, we'll, we'll probably have you again and get some others, Matt, and maybe some others as well on. So That'd be great. Looking forward to it. And, and if anyone uh, wants to reach out for advice or other insights from you, how, how can they best get a hold of you? Um, I'm, uh, I'm available on, um, LinkedIn. I said earlier, um, you know, uh, our website, uh, uppervalleycc.org. My email address is T-R-A-P-P-T. So it's trap with two P's T at uppervalleycc.org. Uh, or follow me on LinkedIn, Tony Trap. Um, I love celebrating our student success there as well as, uh, you know, connecting those business industries to, that young, skilled, and talented workforce. So, man, I love connecting those LinkedIn connections. It's so cool. I mean, you actually kind of sometimes you go to a conference or something, and it's like, hey, I follow you on LinkedIn. It's like, man, I feel like a stinking hero. This is cool, you know? I've got a following, you know, kind of like Russian Hank Jr. does. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but just, uh, you know, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I love to get connected and, and nationally. And, and in, if there's anything I can do to help you, 
start um, your conversations with your local career technical schools. And I, I would love to be a part of that as well. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Tony. Again, uh, been a wonderful time. And thank you listeners uh, for joining us for this episode of Construction Disruption uh, with Tony Trapp, uh, two Ps uh, from the Upper Valley Career Center. Uh, please watch for future episodes of our podcast. Uh, we have many uh, more great guests on tap. And don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or YouTube uh, to help us get the word out of the great things happening in our great construction industry. Uh, so thank you again. God bless. Take care. This is Isaiah Industries signing off with uh, until the next episode of Construction Disruption. Disruption.